On a beautiful run through the park on a pleasant day, you can easily get lost. No, no, no. She didn't kill him. Huh? In your true crime podcast. It was the pool guy. So obvious. Whatever motivates you works for us. It's all about letting your run be your run. And Brooks is here for every runner. Doing the research and sweating the details to create gear that works for you. It's your run. Brooks. Run happy. Welcome to the Hockey PDO cast. My name is Dimitri Filipovich, and joining me is my good buddy Donald Shishin. Don, what's going on, man? I'm tired. Tired. You're tired, but it's just beginning. It's day one of the NHL season. I'm really excited. I, I, I genuinely missed having random games to watch on a Wednesday night. I'm, I'm sure that um, within a week or two, we're going to be complaining about the quality of the product in some occasions, but I would watch any two teams play a game that counts towards the standings right now. Just give it, give give me anything you got. I I am so excited, so excited. Um, today's opening slate looks really fun, even though it could have been funner without some injuries. But I'm excited to see what the Kraken look like. I'm excited to see Tampa Bay without their shutdown line, and it's gonna be fun. There's so many storylines this season. I feel like it's a a very interesting season to see what's gonna happen. Yes, it is. So we're recording this. Uh, it's Tuesday, more late morning, early afternoon. We're going to try to post it right away. So hopefully people can listen before puck drop. Um, the plan for today is to do kind of squeeze in a, a last minute season preview to help people just cram in as much prep as they can for the season. We're going to bounce around. We're going to talk about projections, team over-unders, player props, some of our favorite bets, just random stuff. This has become one of my favorite uh, annual traditions. Unfortunately, our, our good buddy Rob Pizzola couldn't join us today. Uh, I remember last year we did this and it was pretty fun. So hopefully we'll be able to uh, to get to some fun stuff. So let's start with this. It's something that I've been giving a lot of thought to and something I'm sure you have as well. And I think we kind of need to settle it in our minds before we even know what to think about this coming season. It's how do we handle last year's data? Because it was basically the perfect storm of complicating factors, right? You only had 80, you only had 56 games. Uh, you had teams facing the same handful of teams over and over again, and people bemoaning the disparity of division, uh, divisional strength. Uh, you had the Canucks and Flames playing out the string in the most literal sense, like playing regular season games while there were other playoff games going on concurrently. Uh, you know, as our friend Rob Pizzola noted on on this podcast uh, at one point last year, the standards of officiating were uh, at least slightly different amongst the divisions in terms of the frequency of what they were calling certain types of infractions and sort of how they were dictating the games. And obviously you had no fans or limited attendance in the stands, and that's going to influence player performance as well. So putting all of that together, like how do we, how do we handle, how do we weight 2021 performance? How um, accurate is it? Oh, not only true talent, but how representative is it of what we should expect moving forward, especially in these occasions where you got players who like uncharacteristically just looked horrible uh, compared to their previous results. And and it's, it seems unfair to kind of think that that's exactly who they're going to be moving forward. It's an amazing question. Uh, I think anyone who gives you an answer with any 
certainty is just lying out of their ass. Um, I have no idea how to handle last season because there's just so many different things that it's really hard. It's really hard to know because the most recent de- data that is usually what drives opinion the most, but there's all those factors that are clouding it. Obviously I, I did absolutely nothing. I just treated it like it was a normal season and I will probably try to wait the current season more as quickly as possible. I think that's probably the way to go is as soon as we get new data under more normal circumstances, wait that as heavily as possible, as quickly as you can, maybe more quickly than usual. But until then, I mean, that's what happened. And you, I don't think it is wise to make any assumptions about division strength in one way or another, because they only played each other. Um, there are so many people who think that the North division was extremely weak, which I personally think is a weird leaf thing where if the Leafs are doing good, must be a trash division. If they're doing poorly, oh, suddenly the, the Jets and Oilers are good teams or something like that. It's always, what about the Leafs? And I think that was the big thing clouding that judgment last year because you have a lot of people trying to discredit McDavid and Matthews seasons, for example, last year. No one else was scoring at 150-point pace. No one else was scoring a 65-goal pace. Everyone else in that division was scoring pretty close to normal on average. So right. there's that argument. And then there's the argument in the West division because Colorado and Vegas and even Minnesota were beating up on terrible teams. So I, I definitely get it, but you, you can't really know because every division had its own problems. The Metro, I guess they were the East, the mass mutual East last year um, had like no elite teams. Um, the central had some sneaky bad teams as well. And then a lot of middling mediocre talent. So I don't know, it's tough. We're going to find out soon and then we can never talk about it again. Yeah. I I think you hit the nail on the head there where we don't really know. So I think we need to be, um, especially a leading or I guess, willing to accept new information at the start of this season. Like obviously, you know, if there's going to be some sort of outliers where a team's just running red hot in the first two weeks of the season, mm-hmm. we shouldn't necessarily just assume that that's who they are all of a sudden. But like, if we have an example of, I think, especially on an individual level, if we have an example of a player who was really good two years ago, three years ago, struggled last year, and then comes out this year looking like the regular selves, I'm going to be much more willing to be like, all right, let's just throw out what happened last year out the window because this probably isn't who that player actually is. Yeah, and we we heard a lot about that with Carter Hart and how last season was really taking a toll on him mentally. And if you look at pretty much any public model that projects goalie performance, they assume he'll be terrible. And they're right to based on how bad he was last year. But if you know who Carter Hart is, you know his pedigree, you know what he showed before that, you know how highly everyone in hockey values him. You can look at that and say, well, that's probably going to be wrong. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's wrong immediately because we know his talent level. So that's definitely one example. And I'm sure there's a lot of examples because last year was not just a tough year in terms of division, but it was a tough year for the players. They're obviously human. They're... Basically, they weren't in a bubble, but they didn't have as much freedom as they normally would. It's it's not easy for them. 
Yeah, I would say like a Pierre-Luc Dubois is another example, right? Mm-hmm. Where like he starts off the year just clearly not wanting to be in Columbus and feuding with John Tortorella. And then and he gets traded and then he has to like quarantine and he's like not playing and, and just sitting around and then all of a sudden jumping into games. And it's understandable that that would be a really weird season for someone, for athletes who are creatures of habit. The Flyers one is is amazing. I can't wait to watch. Obviously, all the changes they made this offseason and bringing in Erasmus with the Lion and, you know, Ryan Ellis on a much more positive note. But on the one hand, it's like their goalies heading into the season are Carter Hart and Martin Jones, which yeah, leaves the door open for, for high comedy. At the same time, as much as we make fun of Martin Jones, like his performance last year would have been an improvement over what they got out of Carter Hart mm-hmm. and Ryan Elliott. So it's like all the, all the red flags or I guess all the, um, you know, encouraging signs that, there has to be some sort of regression because like it's impossible almost for goalies to be as bad as they were for the flyers last year is there. But then in the back of your mind, it's like, ah, oh, it's the flyers and the, and their goalies though. And when Martin Jones is involved, like I, I, I would be scared to bet on that happening, even though like every analytical uh, fragment of my brain is telling me to do so. Yeah, it is. It is tough. You'd think based on Hart's season last year, they would have maybe acquired a better safety net than Martin Jones. But I don't know. We'll see. They, they cannot be as bad as last year, but even regression from that still would make them pretty bad. Well, okay. So I wanted to talk about last year's performance. I guess another sort of complicating factor here is we have a new team yep. in the Seattle Kraken. And I think they're so interesting to, for us to discuss here because most models – really like the Kraken's outlook for their inaugural season quite a bit. Uh, you have them, I believe, at 97.1 points is your projection. Evolving mm-hmm. Hockey has them at 96.3. Jay Fresh has them at 99. And it's easy to see why projection models favor them, right? Like, they're going to be quite strong defensively. Um, they have loads of depth, so we're not necessarily concerned about, like, weak links just dragging the entire projection down. And they also have a bunch of players who I do think potentially – aren't accurately um, being accounted for and a kind of could be a model's kryptonite in a sense, because they're players who have crushed it on a permanent basis on previous teams, like a Colin Blackwell, for example, where if you look at all of his rate stats, it's like, wow, if we just project this guy to play more next year, he's going to be one of the most productive players in the league. And I think there's a range of outcomes where that is the case for a lot of these players. We saw it happen with Vegas. Certainly I think, teams aren't infallible in any way in terms of their player evaluations. They make mistakes on players all the wrong and all the time and should probably be playing certain guys more than others. Um, We see time and time again, that opportunity is kind of King for players, right? Like getting a chance like this, where you go to an expansion team and all of a sudden you can play up the lineup can totally change the trajectory of your career as opposed to being stuck on your previous team in a depth role. But at the same time, I do think just kind of extrapolating these permanent stats and assuming that they're going to be able to maintain their efficiency while handling playing more minutes, uh, you know, playing against tougher players, doing all the stuff that it comes along with higher ice time is, is a bit tricky. and makes me a bit wary of just assuming that that's going to happen for all these guys. Have you kind of bumped into that uh, yourself in terms of concerns about just like slotting all these players in higher in the lineup than they've ever played before and just assuming they're going to be good? Yes and no. I think people underrate how many players on the Kraken actually played those roles already. Um, Eberle played top line minutes for the Islanders. Yanni Gord 
was the highest used forward for the Tampa Bay Lightning during the playoffs last year, playing shutdown minutes. He is more than capable. Jaden Schwartz was definitely up there. Um, there's definitely going to be guys where you're making assumptions based on time and ice. I think Jared McCann is one of those because he played top six minutes briefly last year for Pittsburgh and crushed it, but he still didn't get a huge bucket of ice time and you can't really project him to score at a top six level playing in that role. So I do get it, but there are some players that have played that level that I think Seattle should be fine. One of the things I do with my model is regress players based on their role. So someone like Colin Blackwell, if he was playing 11 minutes per game last year or whatever, he would be regressed towards other 11 minute players and not towards the mean. So that should theoretically handle that issue, but there are some players that can still break the models a bit if they're just so much better and have done that for a longer time, sort of like McCann who uh, over the last two years has been really strong in a, a lower role for Pittsburgh. Well, I wish we had Rob here because he would be able to answer this as a football guy. But I know like I, I listen to a lot of football podcasts and they talk all the time about how like the stickiness of metrics from one year to the next in terms of like how well they transfer over or how well we can project them. And I know that in football, like team defense is not very sticky at all in terms of it's yeah. like very volatile from one year to the next and just banking on that is is precarious. And I wonder like, how, how do you feel about that in, in hockey? Because obviously I think we'd all agree that our ability to accurately uh, evaluate defense is still very up in the air in terms of especially like individual contributions. We know that when a player is on the ice and their team isn't giving anything up, that's a good sign and we want that to continue. But once you put them in a different role, maybe it won't be the same sort of outcome because something's missing from their previous spot. This is a team that, that it will be banking on you know, strong suppression totals and, and, and I assume playing pretty low event hockey um, because they don't necessarily, as much as we like the McCants and the Gords and the Schwartzes and the Eberleys of the world, they're not exactly rife with just, you know, top level scoring talent where they can afford to beat you six, five every night. So we are kind of banking on team defense here. And, and I think that adds a layer of not necessarily uncertainty, but definitely something to consider when we're just projecting how they're going to look this season. Yeah, uh, I, they have a, a shocking amount of players that scored at a top line rate last year. Obviously, mm -hmm. it's again the argument about rate stats and whether they apply. But one of the reasons my model rates offensive teams higher than defensive teams is exactly the reason you're talking about is that offense is so much easier to predict than defense. And because of that, offensive teams will be rated higher. So for the fact that the Kraken still rate as highly, even though I'm sort of taking care of that issue, is I think a testament to the talent that they have amassed. I think a lot of these players are better than people are giving them credit for. I think the team, based on what they were before expansion, it looks stronger than what Vegas had at the time. And Vegas right. was able to see all these players elevate their play in bigger roles and have that sort of translate. So... It'll be very interesting. I would not be shocked if all the models are wrong, but at the same time, if they're all saying the same thing, and this isn't just public models either. I've seen private models that mm -hmm. are saying the same thing. Um, it would be 
they're like they're seeing these things for a reason right yeah no i i i'm i'm, I'm pretty optimistic like we're going to talk about them i think uh I think their line right now on Pinnacle is 88 and a half or something for this season. And, and especially considering the strength of that division where we assume the, the Pacific will be pretty wide open after Vegas. Like I, I like them quite a bit. I'm just, I'm just curious to see it play out. I guess I think it's, it's part of, part of the interesting wrinkles of the season, seeing how all those players are going to gel and, and, and be in different environments. So I'm uh, I'm curious about that. Um, I've got a couple other teams here that I wanted to talk about Boston, Carolina, Florida, which one of those interests you the most? They're all interesting, I think, and they're well, let's, all let's 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 work let's work our way through all three of them. Then let's do Boston first, um, because everyone I talk to is like, and understandably is like, all right, Tampa Bay and Toronto in some order at the top of that division. We agree that it's going to be kind of this like four-headed monster with Boston mm-hmm. and Florida in there as well. They're all really good teams. You could argue they're four of the best, like. I don't know, seven or eight teams, definitely top 10 teams in the league. Uh, the mileage on Boston, like it seems like everyone is trying to be trendy now by being like, ooh, the team that could fall out of that that group is, is mm-hmm. Boston. Watch out for them. And I do get it considering the uh, the changes in personnel. I think there's some big assumptions being made here that all oh, Mark and Swayman can just jump in and replicate what Rask and Halak have done over the years. But at the same time, the infrastructure of that team defensively where they gave up the third fewest shots, the fifth fewest high danger chances, and the second fewest expected goals against last year is so strong that you're kind of betting on, on what's already in place and kind of being able to step in and, and replicate that there. Are you, do you have concerns about Boston? Because combining that with the loss of Krejci, like, is it nothing? But at the same time, a lot of what makes them special or has made them special in years past is still there. So it kind of makes me hard. It makes it hard to believe that they're just going to fall off all of a sudden. Yeah. I think that there's a massive hole at two C that I a bit skeptical that Charlie Coyle can fill his microstats are, were shockingly good. I just don't understand why they didn't amount to any meaningful results last year. Maybe it's because he played on the third line with weaker players and playing with Taylor Hall and Craig Smith. He should be fine. We'll see. But I think the fact they'll have Hall for the whole year and him looking a lot better coming to Boston will offset a bit of the loss from losing Krejci. They might look a bit closer to what they were before Hall came, but there's still time for them to maybe pick up a Thomas Hurdle at the trade deadline or something like that and go back to being a really scary team. I I don't really love their depth. I think they're going to be a very top-heavy team, but that top is so good. And I think people discount that a bit too much this is still a team that has Bergeron, Marshawn, Pasternak and Charlie McAvoy and that is a quartet that almost no other team can match after I'm not sure you're aware of these stats before our listeners after the Hall trade that second line at 5-on-5 played 185 minutes in the regular season goals were 13-1 to Boston shots were 121-60 to and high danger chances were 41-20 to now you know, they're certainly going to miss Krejci's playmaking uh, and ability to to get the puck in, in dangerous areas. And, and he was fantastic last year, given his age and how people had kind of soured on him. At the same time, like Hall and Smith are two sort of um, historically awesome five-on-five players at, at driving possession and, and creating shot attempts. And so maybe the goals won't necessarily be there as much, but I feel like we could probably plug in URI down the middle there with those two guys and, and, and have, have a 55% possession rate. So I'm not necessarily that worried about it, but it is, it, it is something to monitor. Certainly um, Carolina, 
you know, their goaltending situation last year, they got plus 24 goal save above expected and a 930 save percentage from Nedeljkovic and Petr Mrazek. They replaced them full scale with Freddie Anderson and Antti Ranta. And I, I'm a bit worried about it. Mm -hmm. I, I think projecting goalies performance is if you're going to struggle in one area, that's certainly one that I'm okay struggling in because and pretty much any two goalies could, could be fine. And they certainly have a good system around them, but I like, I think it's a bit dangerous to just assume that Carolina as many talented skaters as they do have is going to be able to just keep doing what they did last year, considering I, I they do think they took a step back or at least into, like their range of outcomes changed quite a bit based on the changes they made there. Yeah, I think they went from a contending playoff lock to a team that might have to maybe not fight for a playoff spot, but prove they deserve one again. I I mean, Frederick Anderson has been pretty bad for the last two years, and there's a chance he gets back to his career rates, but a lot of us were saying that about Braden Holtby last year with the Canucks, and it could be either-or situation, and if goaltending suffers for them, then the season is going to be very tough no matter how strong their forward and defense look. Um, I do like anti Ranta a bit, but he has been a bit fragile lately and a bit fragile, a bit fragile, 12, 32 and 11 games. The past a bit fragile, a a bit fragile. Got to handle him with care. Yeah. I think they, here's the thing. Carolina would have downgraded net regardless of who they got. Right. And I'm guessing they think this tandem is better than the one they would have had. I don't know if I agree with that, but that's why they make the decisions and I don't. I love the idea. Like, like obviously the two goalies they had last year were, were going to regress. They weren't going to keep performing that way. I love the idea of like, let's just mm-hmm. bring in two entirely different goalies and hope that they don't experience that regression because they weren't even here last year. So in fact, yeah. they, they could regress positively. And yeah, I, I, I do see that argument for Freddie Anderson because especially like, I think, talking about throwing numbers out the window from last year, like he was like, it, like it's been reported was playing hurt because the mm-hmm. team needed him to do so. And so I'm willing to buy that. He'll be better. You're right. Holtby is an interesting comparable. He's 32 and like played more than pretty much any goalie in the league for four or five years there for the Leafs. So he's got mm-hmm. a ton of mileage on him. And I think it's a bit scary to be relying on them, especially we were talking at the start about unique circumstances this last season. I think they're there this year as well, where there's going to be no hockey basically for all of February because of the all-star break in the Olympics. And then the second half of the season is going to have some condensed stretches. And I've heard teams are preparing for the possibility of having to use their third and fourth string goalie on occasion, just because they need to keep everyone healthy and, and sort of juggle everything. And so that's kind of scary to me when you start getting into that territory for a team like Carolina, considering the two goalies that they have. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd be a bit nervous about that for sure. Um, okay. McDavid's point total. I want to talk about that with you. Um, okay. So we've got to talk about realistic ceiling and range of outcomes here because I was looking for the line on it cool bet was the only one i could find and it currently has it at 128.5 mm-hmm. so nikita kucherov's 128 points in 1819 are the only time anyone's topped 120 over the past 15 years now here are mcdavid's per 82 point totals 100 in 16 17 108 in 17 18 122 in 18 19 124 in 19 20 
and 154 last year, including a stretch where he had 29 points in 10 games to get over 100. Um, at what point would you feel comfortable betting against McDavid in terms of putting money on the under? Like, what would the line have to be for us to be like, all right, I'm not going to be scared on a nightly basis watching this guy put together five and six point performances? Probably 140. I I have him around 133, so I would probably take the over on that. <laughs> Jeez. I mean, I guess the concern is whenever you take any over on injuries, you're kind of you're you're implying full health or at least yeah. you know playing over 70-ish games. And yeah. knock on wood, that that does happen. But as we see time and time again, it, it's very possible that something happens that keeps you out for two to four weeks, and all of a sudden you're struggling to even if, if your pace is there. But at the same time, yeah, I, I think it's got to be. I think I was going to say even maybe 150 because yeah. I'd be, I'd be very concerned. Still sounds scary. Yeah, it's like, yeah, this guy could average almost two points a game. I could certainly see it. Like when he gets less than two points in a game, I'm I'm, I'm surprised at this point. So, yeah, I don't know. Just just one point, Connor, come on. Like, I think you, you'd agree, right? We're like, we're generally pretty impartial. We're cheering for fun outcomes. I, mm-hmm. I want nothing more than for McDavid to, to get over 150 points just because oh my obviously God, yeah. it's great, but also... There was so much crying last season about mm-hmm. how he did it against these bad teams and how he was just padding his stats and for him to just do it against the full NHL. Like, I'm sure that won't stop people from making other excuses about it, but man, I would yeah. love to see it. I I would too. I think I, like, I try to watch every team as much as possible. Um, so I'm going to miss a few games, but I think I watched like every Oilers game last year. Yeah. Oh, you <laughs> have that to. good. You have to. He was, he was so good. It's a shame he can't play against the Oilers defense. champions aren't born they're made and the secret to make your business reign supreme shopify the all-in-one commerce platform to start run and grow your business forget the off-season work shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere whether you're selling warm-ups or wall hangers It's time to start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build the relationships that create die-hard fans. Shopify fields all the sales channels to grow a winning business from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. Shopify is a secret to becoming a business champion by making it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere, taking the guesswork out of selling. When you're ready to take your winning idea to the world, team up with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash bluewire, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash bluewire to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash bluewire. Every deep playoff run starts with building an amazing team. Doing the same for your business doesn't take a room full of scouts. You just need Indeed. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. Hate waiting? Indeed's U.S. data shows over 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. Something I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because with virtual interviews, Indeed saves you time. You can message, schedule, and interview top talent all in one place. 
Indeed knows that when you're growing your business, you have to make every dollar count. That's why when you sponsor a job, you only pay for quality applications from resumes in our database matching your job description. Visit Indeed.com slash BlueWire to start hiring today. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, all right. Let's uh, let's do some of our uh, our favorite bets or um, kind of notable team totals. Are there any? Like I, I was looking at, at the totals and kind of comparing them to to, to your model and, and evolving hockey's and like it's the lines are pretty sharp. I think in terms of. Mm-hmm. Um, not providing too much margin for, for taking advantage of it. But there were a couple that stuck out to me. What are, what are some of your favorites that people can actually use or, or, or look forward to? Uh, there are a few. It's probably going to be a bit hard now with the season starting course, yeah. uh, to really get value. But I mean, the one that jumps out obviously is the one we talked about and that's Seattle being over 88 and a half points. I think there'll be around 97. That is a massive edge and maybe the odds makers know a bit more, but I mean, if my model has been generally more accurate for almost every season I've ever done this compared to odds makers, then I'm going to, I'm going to trust what it's saying about Seattle and take that over. Yeah. It's a 80 and a half right now. I certainly like them to get to 90 ish points. I, I like that one quite a bit. Um, I really like, uh, it's it's kind of scary because Colorado's total is one ten point five, but uh, man, like I I just considering how they good they were last regular season and the fact that I think it's very reasonable they're gonna be better considering they upgraded a couple positions and they have young players who are still improving. Uh, I, I I really like I I think that'd be a fine bet to be taking that over just because it would also be a fun one to root mm-hmm. for because they're going to be very good. I, I don't think you'd be sweating that one too much, although that is a pretty, pretty high total. I believe the next highest one is like one Oh six or something. So that's a pretty big gap for Colorado. I, I didn't bet the over because I thought the total was high, but what I did was I bet on them to win the division, the cup and the president's trophy. I, I don't know if president's trophy is like available at other books, but I had it at mine. It was like plus two forty, And I thought, the probability of them actually doing that was a bit higher than that. Um, Colorado, I think their line for winning the division is like minus 220 right now. And I think it should be a lot higher than that, like minus like 300 or something, because I don't really have that much faith in the rest of the division to really catch them. So I think that was, that'd probably be one that's where you're sweating a bit less. And then the cup, even at plus 524, I think there's still value there. I like that. Um, do you want to know what one of my, my favorite ones is, which I would definitely will be sweating all year. I like, I like the flames over 89 and a half. Mm-hmm. I, um, I, I bet that one as well, but I bet it before they signed Eric Goodbranson. I know that's, that's the ultimate wrench thrown into my plans here because mm-hmm. I was going to say like, it kind of flew under the radar. I was talking about this on a recent podcast and talking about Jacob Markstrom, but like their defensive numbers after Daryl Sutter took over were predictably amazing where I believe mm-hmm. they were like top five in every yeah. suppression stat. Even if you throw out the late games against the Canucks, that kind of didn't count. Um, and so I, I love the idea that they doubled down on that this summer, sort of like just spending a bunch of money on like Blake Coleman and adding these fourth line guys that are such like Daryl Sutter players. But 
going, yeah, basically replacing Mark Giordano's minutes with Nikita Zadorov and Erica Branson yeah. uh, definitely concerns me and and isn't ideal. Like if they had added another puck mover back there instead, I'd be all in on it. But considering that, like I also kind of like Canucks under ninety and a half, and um, I just think there's an opening there. Like I, I feel like the Flames could conceivably be really good defensively and certainly have the offensive players to at least have like a good power play. So that seems like a, a recipe to, for success for me. And I, I like that over. Yeah. I, I actually had a few and there were, it seemed like it was all from the North division, I think because people thought the North division was terrible, that a lot of the lines were a bit soft. I think the Leafs at 104 and a half is really low i bet the Oilers at 97 and a half now it's at 98 and a half i think that's probably a bit low despite how that one's a scary one that's one you're sweating because you're basically hoping that mcdavid and dreisaitl just win every game six five yep um fun to watch but a sweat for sure with that defense um and then ottawa their line opened at 72 and a half it's at 74 and a half now there's probably still value in that because i think 72 and a half was around their pace last year and you got to figure they'll be better than that this year, just from natural progression. Obviously the Brady Kachuk situation puts a wrench in all of that for sure, but they should be a better team than they were. Yeah. I was looking at like, I was looking at the lines for the coyotes and sabers. Um, they're so low that <laughs> yeah. it's like getting in the sixties is, is, is very plausible. Um, I do think though, that if I had to forecast it, I think the Coyotes on the Sabres lines should be flipped. Like I do think that I think the Coyotes are going to be worse than the Sabres this season. Um, obviously the Sabres have to play against four awesome teams and, and it'll be tough for them to win a lot of games there. But it, just looking at the rosters, like aside from the blue line, I guess, I mean, the goaltending is bad for both teams. But my God, Carter Hutton like literally was so bad last year that he couldn't play for the Buffalo Sabres and the Coyotes were like, yes, Let's bring him in and he's probably going to play a lot of games for them. So I don't know, like uh, that's going to be a fun one to watch because I think, you know, both those teams are, are going to be so bad, but they're like in Arizona's case, especially like they're actively going to try to like, they've shown that they're disregarding this season entirely. They've basically been trading players for futures. So for me, it's like if a player for them remotely shows signs of being good this year, it's possible that they're going to trade them just to decrease their own performance this year. So like, I'd be kind of comfortable betting on that under just because I feel like they're going to tr- not tank, but they're going to try to not get as many, any points. Yeah. that Sabres line of 64 and a half is just absurd. I feel like you need a bit of luck to actually get that low. And mm-hmm. it seems like the market is treating it as such because it's shaded heavily towards the over at like minus 161 on pinnacle. Uh, I do see where you come from with Arizona, but I think Buffalo might just do the same thing. I they they signed Craig Anderson. Um so I mean they're not really trying to win many games through the goalies either. I I love that that stealth tank battle between Buffalo and Arizona. Like these are our goalies this year. And everyone's like, are you sure? Like, yeah, we're sure. This this is what we're rolling with. Good luck, yeah. everyone. Yeah. I mean that's certainly one that I you're right. Like 64 and a half is so low at the same mm-hmm. time. Like betting that over and cheer and like hoping for wins is not a position that I ideally want to be. And that's one of those where you just, you just make the bet and just don't think about it until the end of the season and hope that you, you look at it and you're like, Oh, that was a surprising winner. Cause you don't actually want to be tracking on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Yeah. 
I just want to point out that, uh, as I said, bet the leaps over that Mitch Marner was literally just injured in practice. And I don't know how severe it is, but I feel like the gods are testing me right now. Mm. Um, all right. I'm going to give you some, I was, I was kind of scouring some player props. I, I, I went on bet online and I was looking at them. I'm, I'm, I'm going to toss them out to you and see what you think here. Okay. Darcy Kemper's save percentage over 915. I don't, I really don't see a universe where his save percentage is under 915 this season. Acknowledging that is it is the goalie mm-hmm. position, but I I would just never bet on a goalie. <laughs> that just seems that seems super scary to me. I feel like there's so much so much variance. Um, I'll have to check what like I actually projected for his save percentage, but it's got to be over nine fifteen. The the thought of betting on a goalie save percentage makes me extremely unwell. I I don't because my average is like nine oh nine. Right. Um, okay, Jacob Markstrom, nine ten, on a top five defensive team. We think. Okay, I, I think league average was like nine oh eight last year, but it usually is nine ten. Mm-hmm. I think people have been smashing that over though, because it's a uh, it's minus one forty now. So. Mm. Yeah, uh, uh, that one seemed like if he was average about that range last year, then. You're basically just betting on the defense to get better, which isn't a bad play. But again, that's the the risk with goalies. All right, well, let's bet on offense then. Mm-hmm. Dave, David Pasternak, thirty six and a half goals. Yeah, is that, assuming is that the he, line? I think it is. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> Are you running you, right you, now? You, to get the you, over? you you give me the lines. I'll tell you what I have. And All right, what do you have? David, pa- David Pasternak goals. I mean, 40, it's got to be like high forties. 42.3 so even accounting for last year's lesser season and understanding that he scored zero power play goals for like half the year then that should correct that seem that line seems really soft i mean i would honestly say with matthews missing the start of the year and ovechkin banged up i think i don't know what pastor next line is for the rocket richard but like i would i mm-hmm. like that one so giving me 36 and a half uh, yeah. I'm all about that. Sticking the Bruins, I, I guess it's a bit worrisome considering his trends, but I'm assuming he's not going to shoot 2% this season. Taylor Hall goals, 16 and a half. I have 19. So again, yeah. we're he's factoring a, in a bad season. It's still a lot higher than that. He's going to score 20 goals. Yeah, I think health. so. And um, he'll he'll be on that top power play, I think, to start. And I think they'll I'll be a deadly unit. Uh. This one's still up for some reason. I checked this morning. Brady Kachuk goals, 24 and a half. I think the under is interesting considering he's never done that yet and we don't know when he's going to start his season. Is there a games played minimum? Like he has to play like a certain amount of games? I don't believe. I mean, is, is there usually for these props? Uh, I'm not sure. I feel like I that's kind of part of the props, fun. I feel like that's but... kind of part of the fun. Yeah, I have 26.7, but that's over 82 games. So if you think well, he's going to miss there, times, there, there, then... there's, if you think he's going to miss time, their season starts this week. Yeah. So he doesn't have a contract. Um, Elias Pedersen points. What do you have that at? Uh, what'd you say he was at? It's 60 and a half. What? Yeah. 60? Yeah. 60 and a half. Yes. Elias Pedersen. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Are you lying to me? I'm pretty sure I checked it this morning. 60. Let's pull let's pull it up. 60? 6 6.5 uh 60.5. Oh my good. Who I believe, makes these? I believe I I'm looking at it right now. Bet online. 
Now it is minus 130, whereas the under is plus 100, but it's uh-huh. 60 and a half. I have 76.4 and people were telling me that was low. And I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. I mean, yeah, I That's- guess he started his, like he started his preseason late, but he's gotten comfortably over that in his two full healthy seasons. I, I don't see a universe oh, where I, I think it's a matter of he looked kind of bad last year and there's a bit of uncertainty, but yeah, that one's crazy. That one's wild. Oh my God. I couldn't even believe that was real. Uh, well, there we go. That's what this is all about. Uh, this pains me to say because I own him in fantasy and uh, I talked about how I think he's still going to have a big year this year, but Jacob Chikrin goals, 18 and a half. I mean, I would take any defenseman mm-hmm. under 18 and a half, I think. Like I know that he scored a ton of goals last year, but he also shot over 10%. Yeah. I just feel like that's like a common sense bet. But I, I, I have 20.3. Holy well, that, and makes that me is happy. probably very rare. So I'm I'm just as nervous as you are. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but as someone who watched far too many Coyotes games last year, uh, I think that shot is for real. And I can I can see uh, some Shea Weber esque goal scoring totals. But I don't know who's going to pass him the puck. I just know he's going to shoot a lot when he does get it. Yeah, he's going to have. 30% of the team's total shots while he's on the ice. So, Oh, yeah. Um, this one isn't available, I don't think, anymore, unfortunately, because people jumped on it early. But I, I believe, like, Willie Nylander, his line for points was, like, in the low to mid-50s when it first came out, which seemed almost impossible. I, I think now it's been bet so high that <laughs> you're, like, paying so much just to get that total. But yeah. um, Willie Nylander still so underrated by everyone, including the books. Yeah, I think it was. I think I saw that one. And I'm like, that can't be real. I think it was around like 53 or something. And I have 66. Yeah. So yeah. there it is. Um, but I think that's about it. I had some other goalie ones, but I'm not going to subject you to that because mm-hmm. you you were upset about it. Um, <laughs> I, I, I like the, the the Pedersen one though. I mean, I I, I, I that one's wild. On. Yeah. I think I don't know what's going on there because I, I I saw Besser was also like. 23 or 24 and a half goals as well and it's like mm-hmm. he is 100 percent gonna score more than that assuming he someone, plays someone forgot to carry the zero or maybe they think like it's still like a 56 game season <laughs> yeah that's true uh carry the zero yeah i i have last Pedersen for 606 points this season so i like the <laughs> over 605 um all right i have a few uh futures in terms of long shots do you have have you have you been taking any um, awards bets? Awards bets? Yeah. Uh, I have not, mostly because I don't know if it's a gray area. Because I actually oh, you vote for it. I vote for them, so I don't know right. if I should even. Because I I just didn't even, I didn't even look. Um, to be honest, at awards, I I do feel like I think I saw Conor David for like the Art Ross was like plus money, and that seems ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. I would, yeah, I would take that one. Um, mm. I, I don't know how we haven't talked about the Rangers, but they have Gerard Gallant at plus fourteen hundred for Jack Adams. Mm. I like that one just because he's a first-year coach for a team that I think we expect to positively regress this season in a yep. big market. And I feel like if they do make the playoffs, that's what voters look for. And there's going to be a lot of puff pieces about how Gerard Gallant came to the Rangers and instilled the level of professionalism 
And oh, he, he look at him. He's done it again. He did it with the Panthers. He did it with Vegas. And now he's doing it again. I, 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 I can already see those articles being written. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like that one. Although I'm not sure the Rangers are going to be good enough to, to qualify for it, but it usually is a surprise team. It's like John Cooper is the favorite right now. It's like, what would, what would John Cooper and the lightning have to do this season for voters to be like, yes, he was the best coach, even if he actually was. Like for once, just actually vote for the best coach, but it's but always like, like the most surprise team. Yes. Um, is it Dave Haxtall season? I mean, <laughs> no one thinks they're going to do anything, right? So if Seattle does what Vegas does. The thing that I don't know about Dave, Dave Axel, and, and I guess we should have talked about this when we covered the Kraken, but like when he was coaching the Flyers, they were yeah. like the most point shot heavy team in the league mm-hmm. to infuriating results, understandably. And then he was the assistant coach in the Leafs and they were like the least point shot heavy team. And now maybe as an assistant coach or even as a head coach, you're not necessarily, you don't have as much say over that. It's just like kind of in the flow of the game or the way your team is playing. But like, I, if I, I'm very curious to see what Seattle performs at in that regard this season, because like his two, his last two stops have been about as polar opposite at both extremes as you can expect from a coach. Yeah. Um, I want to believe that it was growth. I think he was in charge of the defense. I'm not 100% sure on that at all because I don't really know what assistant coaches do. Uh, but I think he was, and I think it was growth. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call it that now. We're going to see for sure tonight whether Mark Giordano has eight shots and Vince Dunn has 12. But I, I want to believe that was mostly in jest. I do think Gallant seems like a very good bet because the Rangers look like a team that can take a massive step. And David Quinn is someone that Rangers fans truly despised for his tactics. So if Gallant is the upgrade many people think he is, if the Rangers have all this young talent, they seem like a team that can really surprise this year. And that's usually a good Jack Adams bet, I think. I mean, I'm always so interested by the way organizations respond to like unlucky seasons, right? Like obviously the the Rangers... Um, like what happened at the end of the season with Tom Wilson kind of expedited that and led mm-hmm. to a lot of the changes they made, obviously. But like I, I by any measure you looked at, like they were pretty unlucky last season from like because of Ben Ajad's performance at the start of the year after clearly recovering from COVID to um the fact that they only won five of their 21 goal games, which was only worse. Uh only mm-hmm. Detroit was worse at that. Uh, they were seventh in terms of the percentage of their games they spent leading. Like they were clearly a pretty good team that just got unfortunate results and we would have expected them to improve regardless. And then they had this off season where like, I disliked pretty much every single one of the moves they made. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I believe that they're good. A lot of their, their, all their good players are still there except for Butchnevich, I guess. And they have a bunch of young players who will theoretically improve this season. So like, I really like their outlook but the way they got there is not ideal for me. So I, I just don't know how to balance those two kind of conflicting thoughts. Yeah. It's like they, they could have been a lot better. And I feel like if they didn't move Buchnevich and do all that weird stuff in search of, in desperate search of grit and toughness, they could have been a team that maybe threatens to win the division takes that massive leap. Everyone thinks they could, but I think they, they hampered themselves a bit and made it harder for themselves. And then you have like, and then you, and then you have the stars who are like the other most unlucky team, and they're like, 
Mm-hmm. We're going to stay so on brand by signing Ryan Suter, Yanni Hakampa, Luke Glendening, and a goalie. And it's like the most defensive team just quadruple down on that strategy. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, they're just obviously assuming that Radulov and Sagan are going to be healthy and Rupe Hints is going to be a game time decision every day. And I think they're hoping that offensively they're going to improve just from what they already have in house. But like all of their moves were like such Dallas Stars moves. And I'm curious to see what happens with them this year as well, because they're a team that obviously made the Cinderella run like just over a year ago now and had a follow up season from hell in pretty much every regard. Yeah, the goaltending one is funny because they had Kudobin and they had Jake Ottinger, who was probably their best goalie last season. Mm -hmm. And they're like, yeah, we're going to bring in someone much worse so you can play in the AHL, have fun down there. Um, Maybe Ben Bishop gets healthy too. And then they have four goalies that are NHL caliber and Braden Holpe will still be getting starts. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Um, All right, well, that's about all I had. Was there any other... um... Any other notes you think we, we need to get to in the uh, show? Like, I think I, I had a, I think we talked about the over bets I had. I had a few under ones. Okay, let's um, do that. We're 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 sorry for uh, the order. People thinking they're they're getting best bets. They got <laughs> overs uh, at some point, unders later. Um, I don't. I took the under on the Flyers, and maybe that's that's wrong because we believe in Carter Hart. But I think ninety four and a half is is really pushing it for them. Um, well, especially in that division where yeah. like there could be five teams that are like within a couple points of each other. So who knows? Mm-hmm. And uh, another scary one I have is the Kings under 85 and a half because they're also a young team. They could have a bunch of rookies that just go off and they make the playoffs in the Pacific division. But because none of them have proven that yet, because I don't really love the team that was already there, I just think 85 and a half is, is really pushing it. Yeah, these teams that have a young a bunch of young players and you don't know how they're going to develop makes it tough. I think giving 60 games to Calvin Peterson as opposed to splitting it 50-50 with Jonathan Quick would do wonders for that. Yeah, for sure. Over under. Um Yeah, we'll see. I mean, they certainly I think improved their their roster with Arvidsson and Dano and, and even Edler considering what they had in the blue line before, but um yeah, I, I I the only my only concern about taking the under in that division is like there could be some, well, exactly. Like I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm excited to watch the ducks because I love Trevor Zegers and I really want to see how Jamie Drowsdale is going to do. And like, I think their future outlook is fine because they've drafted really well the past couple of years. I think uh, my colleagues at elite prospects had them as like a top five uh, farm team in terms of all the prospects they've accumulated. Mm-hmm. But like, I think they were quietly one of the most, disorganized just unwatchable teams in the league last season and they didn't really do like their past two off seasons if you look at the moves they made in terms of main roster moves it's like two years ago they i guess signed kevin shattenkirk and this summer they're like some reason and this and this summer they just like brought back ryan getzlaff like they Mm -hmm. they didn't improve their team now Mm -hmm. trevor zegers might just be a superstar um but that's a lot of burden to carry for a young player with as many games as he has under his belt. And so I think people are kind of sleeping on them a little bit as like a potential worst team in the league, I think. Mm -hmm. And so the Pacific could just be really, really bad that a competent team like the Kings could accumulate a bunch of points just by playing those guys. I'm just wondering how actually competent they are because they were like a bottom three expected goals team 
right. last year. And obviously they added a fair bit of talent. They have a injection of youth, but I think uh, I want to pump the brakes on them a bit and wait and see for them to actually, actually do it. You know, I like it. Is there any other unders? Um, I bet the under on the lightning, but that one seems to have gone down to a more reasonable range. I got under 108 and a half and now it's at 106 and a half. So a little more in line with where I think they should be. I think people are underrating what losing their entire shutdown line will be, which is wild to me because during the playoffs, it was like, this is the reason the lightning are winning. This is it. And now they're going like, oh yeah, lightning, they'll still be the best in the league. It's fine. Don't worry about that, guys. Matthew Joseph, Ross Colton, well, they'll, they'll get the job done. Well, those guys will get the job done, but... Not to I the think, same degree as well. I, I, I yeah. just think also on what, like, you have to consider the motivation. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, not that they're going to be looking ahead, but it's like, when you won back-to-back cups, are they trying to be the number one seed, or are they just trying to keep Steven Samco's healthy so that they can 3 P? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking as well. So I kind of even like, uh, oh, I, I saw Braden Point's goals were only like 30 or something, and I'm comfortable with, with the over there. But like mm-hmm. the the stamp goes and the headman totals, I'd be interested in the unders just because I wonder how many games they're actually going to play this season. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely a fair consideration, especially around March. You've got to figure they might have some ailment to uh, bring, uh, bring a ringer in. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I, I think that's it. I'm, I'm excited. We're going to try to turn this thing around and post it right away so people can listen. Um, this was a blast. I'm really excited about the season. Dom, uh, plug some stuff because you've been working like a madman lately and you've, <laughs> you've been pumping out content. So let the people know um, what you've been doing, where they can check it out and all that good stuff. All right. So I wrote a deep dive season preview on 30 of 32 teams. I let uh, Charlie O'Connor from Philly and Harmon and Drans from Vancouver write their own previews because they have a pretty good understanding of my model and I was extremely, extremely tired. Um, but yeah, in-depth previews on every single team. Today, uh, me, Corey Prom and Sean Gentilly dropped our player tiers, top 100 players in the league based on my model, our own opinion, and then a panel of team executives, team scouts, and team analysts around the league who looked at what we had and said, nope, this is wrong. Move this, move this. But mostly they said... They were like, looks- nope, our player is way too yeah. low on this list. <laughs> there, there were some of those, but mostly they they did seem pretty unbiased and they, they liked what we had, just a couple tweaks here and there. And I think that is something a lot of fans probably like don't realize is that teams aren't that far off from where some, where a lot of us, I guess, view players and such you look at a model you follow your instincts you watch games and you get to a similar place to where teams have these players but at the same time every person is going to rate players differently and see problems with how you rate them so you just gotta be understanding and see where those people are coming from so yeah that came out today um and then the typical stuff i'll be doing during the season uh started today as well so Daily probabilities for playoffs, Stanley Cup, games, uh, the betting guide. Um, I dropped some some depth charts this morning so people can see specifically why I hate their favorite team. And yeah, it's been a lot of work and I'm excited to actually just lay down and watch and not think. I'm also excited to lay down and watch and not think. This was a blast, mm-hmm. man. I'm glad we got to do this. Enjoy the season and we will certainly... 
check back in and do another show here sometime down the road. So until then, enjoy your rest and uh, enjoy the games. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks for having me as always. All right, that's going to be it for today's episode of the Hockey PDO Cast. Thank you, as always, for listening, and hopefully you enjoyed the show. If you did, please consider showing us some love by leaving a quick little rating and review for the PDO Cast. Uh, it's really easy to do. You just smash that five-star button, and then if you're feeling extra generous and you've got some free time, you can write up a quick little note about why you recommend people check out the show or what you like about it. And yeah, a lot of you have done so already. I really greatly appreciate each one of them. They all help the show a ton moving forward, so please uh, do so if you haven't done already. And if you have, thank you greatly. Um, That is going to be it for today. We're going to be back soon with with more content. Uh, Now with the season starting here and puck drop finally here, uh, there's going to be a lot of games to watch, a lot of performances to discuss, and so I'm looking forward to all that. So um, thank you for being patient through the offseason. Certainly needed a little bit of a break after the hectic end to the 2021 season but we're feeling rejuvenated and recharged and ready to go for another fun season of hockey here so uh thank you for supporting us and for staying with us along the way for the for the full ride and uh yeah hopefully we're gonna have some fun here this season so thank you for listening and we'll be back soon Twitter at Dim Filipovich and on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash hockey PDOcast.